OWC Radio number 22. Hey everyone, Tim Robertson, host of OWC Radio. This is the 22nd episode and, you know, it's still all about the iPad out there on the interwebs, it seems. Every website I like to frequent on a daily basis to get my news and information about the tech community is still about the iPad. Now, I love the iPad, don't get me wrong. I think it's a fantastic device. I use mine every single day. Uh, I've lived with it now for over a week and... uh, has it been? It's not even quite a week yet, has it? No, I guess not. Wow, it seems like it, though. Time flies when you're clicking away, right? When you're having a good time, it just goes by really fast. But here's my problem. And I don't even know if it's necessarily a problem, but it's a new device, yes. Everyone's excited about it, yes. But there's a lot of other things worth writing about, and no one seems to be doing that or talking about. And so I'm hoping that things get a little bit back to normal here in the next week or two as far as the tech news is concerned. But everybody is really excited about the iPad. Those who bought it seem to universally want to talk about it. Those who don't have it seem to have a lot of questions. And I've got a lot of questions. I've answered most of them via Twitter or email. Uh, You know, the thing is, almost everything that you want to know about the iPad at this point, you can find out very easily with a simple Google search. But I would hate to break with tradition and talk about something else, heaven forbid. But still, I do want to talk about one aspect of the iPad that I'm getting tired of reading about. And that's the philosophical debate that some people want to have about is the iPad good for us or bad for us? Now, are those there are those people out there, people like, I don't know, Cory Doctorow, who say this is an absolutely horrible device, it's not open, they can't program on it, and that revolutions don't start with the big companies like Apple, but with the small innovators. Now, you can wax philosophical all you want about the openness of the Internet and hardware and what have you and how great it is, and I'm sure it's great that you have an 800 megahertz laptop that was made 12 years ago And that you can still boot it off floppy disk, and I'm very happy for you. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure that there are uh, maybe not an insignificant number of people out there who would be very interested in that 12-year-old desktop running Linux that can do every single thing you ever want it to do. But the vast majority of people out there, especially the tech people, like those listening to this show, really aren't interested. Why? Because we understand that the iPad is not a completely open device. It's just not. And when we bought the device, we understood that there are restrictions on what we can put on this device. Most of those restrictions come from policies that they've enacted in the App Store. They don't allow uh, adult pornography type of apps, political apps. They made a business decision not to include that stuff or approve it once it's submitted to the App Store. 
So you're not going to see that that kind of content on the iPhone, the iPod Touch, or the iPad. But here's the thing for those who keep wanting to talk negative about the openness or the closed aspect of the iPad. Number one, those of us who bought it know that, like I've said. And number two, you still need a computer to use an iPad. When you first buy an iPad, you have to connect the device to a computer. And I can't imagine anybody out there who is buying an iPad who don't have a computer already, who doesn't have either a Mac or a PC. But the biggest open platform out there is the Internet. And other than Flash, the iPad has complete access to that Internet. Now, can you write programs on the iPad? I don't know if you'll eventually be able to. You can't right now. But you know what? That's what computers are for. That's what a desktop or a laptop is for, to create content. Can I edit video on the iPad? I'm sure there's probably some apps that will let you do it, kind of, sort of. But that's not what you buy an iPad for. Can you create serious presentations in it? No. I mean, you could do some simple stuff. And it looks pretty good with Keynote on the iPad. But really, if you're a content producer, either a, I don't know, a presentation type of content producer for your business or a content producer like I'm producing content right now that everyone listening to this is enjoying, I hope, a, a podcast. Could I do that on the iPad? Well, I could record it on there, but I can't really publish it on there. This is not really a computer in the traditional sense. It is a content delivery system. And when you buy the iPad, there are some restrictions that we accept. Now, with that being said, I can watch any movie ever made on my iPad. I can. I can read any website out there as long as they're not using proprietary flash technology to deliver it. And that's another thing. A lot of people complain about the closed system of the iPad and that it doesn't support flash, but yet flash isn't an open standard. Flash is owned by Adobe. So you can't have it both ways, okay? If you want to complain about the closed system of the iPad, then you have to complain about flash as well. You can't have your cake and eat it too. We'd all like to, but you just can't do it sometimes, at least not in this situation. So we have access to the internet. So if it's online, you can access it on your iPad. Now, if you're a developer and you want to develop software for the iPad, there are rules and restrictions you have to live by to do so. Now, I'm not going to say if that's good or bad. It all depends on the developer. But if I was a developer and I'm looking at the popularity of the iPhone, I'm looking at the popularity of the iPad, and that those are only going to get larger and larger as time goes on, I want to get my software on that device pronto. Why? Well, if I want to make money, that's where the big money seems to be right now. If I want to do something truly innovative that's never done, been done before, these are good platforms to do it on. Why? Because they're really the first generation of mobile devices that have a lot of power, a lot of speed, and it can pretty much do everything that I think most consumers want the device to do. 
So it's a perfect platform to develop for as long as you play within the rules. You don't duplicate the functionality of the core operating system, i.e. you can't make a web browser, although there are those who are doing just that. Now, you can't develop software for it and release that's politically motivated or, like I said, adult-themed stuff. Now, that has more to do with not Apple does simply doesn't like that. It has to do with Apple doesn't want to be associated with that type of stuff. And if that's a problem for you, publish it on the web. Because, like I said, with Safari on the iPad or iPhone or iPod Touch, we can access that. But getting back to my original point, we all have computers. So we all use somewhat open platform computers every day. We can change the hard drive. We can upgrade the RAM. We can connect a bigger monitor to it. And if you really want to go the homebrew route, you can do that as well. Just not really with a Macintosh. You, I know you can hack a blah, blah, blah and install it on a – yeah, I know. But let's be honest. We're Mac users. We're really not interested in building our own ugly beige box to get a hacked version of macOS running on it. By the time we were actually done, might have saved a couple bucks, but really – it's worth 150 hours tinkering with a darn thing to get it to run properly. Spend the extra money, get an actual Macintosh. You get a warranty. You'll be much happier in the long run. Now, also, I, I'm going to see if I could find it here real quick, and I don't think I'm going to be able to because I, I read this earlier in the week, and I didn't bookmark it. My bad. And I do not remember the website I read it at at this point. Okay. I'll just get on with it. Basically, the, the gist of this article was that Apple today is not the same company that it was that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak helped founded. They point to the fact that the Apple II was a completely open computer system. Heck, even the schematics were printed inside the machine. You, you got the schematics. You could add hardware to it. You could make it faster that Apple actually encouraged you to do so. And somehow they equate that with, this isn't the same Apple. To which I reply, duh. Of course this isn't the same company that existed in 1977. Of course it's not. And thank goodness it isn't. You know why? Because the computer industry has matured and grown. And look at the wonderful technology we have today because of that change. Of course Apple isn't the same company. I got news for you. Otherworld Computing isn't the same company it was when it started either. GM, not the same company it was when they started. America, not the same country it was when it started. It, it's, it's ludicrous for anybody to want to compare... The Apple computer today, well, technically it's not even Apple computer anymore, is it? It's Apple Incorporated. So Apple Inc. today to Apple computer in 1978, 1977. It, it's ridiculous. Of course it's not the same company. It belong, it's an industry leader in an industry that makes more money in a day than Apple did its entire first decade of business, literally. 
when you take into consideration portable computing and uh, video games, which is nothing but computers nowadays, it's Apple is not the same company. Of course it's not the same company. And thank goodness it's not the same company. Yes, the Apple II was completely open. You know why? It had to be. You couldn't do anything with the machine. You couldn't go out and buy software for the Apple II when it first came out. It was lacking in almost every feature that most users wanted. So, of course, it had to be open so the users could add more to it. Why? Because Apple simply didn't have the manpower or the staff to make all the great things that you would want to have as an Apple II owner. It was a different industry. It was a different time. And for those who keep wanting to paint it as some kind of a rosy, oh, it was so great back then, no, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. I was alive then. I remember what computers were like in the 80s. They were horrible. You could barely do anything with them. They were slow. The software was buggy. They crashed all the time. You couldn't connect to networks. It was just a little box that sat there. A lot of them you print to this roll of paper that had little holes on the side that you'd have to rip, rip off the tabs. Computing in the 80s was horrible. Now, I know it's good to look back and have nostalgia for old technology. I do. You know, I look back into, you know, the mid-90s when I got heavily into the Mac scene for the first time and uh, started writing and doing reviews and the software back then, for the most part, was a lot more simple than what we have today. And there's something to be said for not forgetting your roots. But you know what? It, it's a different world. It really is. Things change. And companies that don't change, guess what? They go away. Now, I understand that the concept of, of openness is very appealing, and there's th some things that we have to have transparency in. And there's some things that, you know what, that's just the way it is. Let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say here. Cory Doctorow talks about the Marvel app on the iPad. And now, basically, the Marvel app allows you to download, for a price, most of them. There's some free editions of comics on there. But for the most part, if you want to download an issue, it's going to cost you like $1.99. Now, he laments the, the way it used to be when he was a child that he would buy comics and his friends would buy comics and they would trade them. And that's how industry, the comic book industry, built their readership up. That's how you learned about other comics that you wanted to buy and collect. And you'd go to the store and find all the back issues. And, you know, and it was great. And I speak from experience. I was a comic book reader. In fact, to be quite honest, I still am. Not the way I used to be, but I still enjoy comic books occasionally. But this is a different world. Marvel has to make money, just like Apple Computer has to make money. So, yeah, it, it's a bummer that we can't share our digital comic books, that if I buy a comic book on my iPad, I can't click a button and send it off to uh, one of you guys listening to the podcast right now, that you send me an email and say, hey, that sounds like a great comic. I would love to read it. And I go, well, I've got it. I bought it on my Marvel app. Here it is. And I scoot it over to you. Well, I can't do that. So, yeah, in that respect, it's a bummer. But I happen to live in the real world, Mr. Doctorow. 
One in that I like streets with sewer systems underneath them where I enjoy clean water. An interstate highway system that connects cities so we can travel more safely and faster between point A and point B. I like the fact that if I get sick today, someone's going to come and help me. Someone whose job it is to come and help me. I like the fact that if someone pulls a gun out in a crowded street and shoots it up in the air, we have these things called police officers who will come and arrest that person. I like the fact that when I have a child, and I happen to have four, and we send them to public school, that there's teachers there who will teach my children how to do math and spelling and teach them history. Now, how, how do we afford all this stuff? Well, it's called taxes. And while I don't like to pay taxes any more than the next person, taxes are a necessary evil in a civilized society. Why? Because we have to pool our money, or parts of it, of course, for the collective good. So we can afford things like, I don't know, fire trucks, police officers, public schools, water that's clean, sewer systems. And we pay those people who do those jobs out of tax revenue. Now, where did the tax revenue come from? Well, it comes from us, people, me, you, guy next door, everybody you passed on the street on your way to work today. That's who pays taxes. And how do they pay taxes? They have jobs. And some of the people who have jobs work at places like, I don't know, Apple and Marvel. And at those jobs, they perform tasks and they're paid. Well, how does the company pay them? Because they sell products or services or goods. In Marvel's case, they sell comics. And while it would be great if they just gave their comics away to everybody who would ever like to read them and hope that maybe someday they'll buy a new comic book and, and spend money that way. They can't do that. Apple sells these things called iPads and iPhones and iPod Touches and Macintosh, desktops and laptops and mice and keyboards and base stations, airport base stations, I mean, and software. And they make money and they pay the employees who are, are working there and creating these great gadgets. And those people do what? Guess what? They pay taxes. And the taxes help everybody, not just those people who are working, but everybody. Now, I don't need a job to enjoy clean water. I don't need a job to be able to walk down a sidewalk. I don't need a job for a police officer to protect me if I'm being mugged. I belong to a society who provides these services, but these services cost money. Especially if you're a police officer yourself, you understand you need a paycheck. No one's going to do it for free. It would be great if we lived in a society where everyone took turns being police officers, but that's not the society we live in. It would be great if professionals would take a year off of work, go into a school system and teach for a year. That's not the system that we live in. So we have to pool our collective 
tax money to pay for services that the entire society has to have. Now, you know, obviously it would be great if the politicians that we elect to basically spend that money on services that we need uh, weren't corrupt and, you know, always did what's best for the, the greater public good. That's an entirely different discussion that really doesn't have a place here in OWC Radio. But for this episode, what does have a place is this idea that because the iPad is a closed system, that it's a bad thing. Well, it's not a bad thing. In fact, personally, just the opposite is true for me. Now, Apple isn't the only company that's going to come out with uh, an iPad-like device. HP is working on one. Microsoft is working on one. You know Dell's probably got something in the works. And there's going to be a thousand uh, knockoffs from overseas, I'm sure. Some that probably look just like the iPad. But the vast majority of the people out there, which one are they going to want? Well, I, I'm, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, I'm assuming it's going to be the iPad, especially if they actually use a competing device. A prime example is the Juju. I read an article up on Engadget, a review of the Juju, and at the end, I don't want a Juju. It looks horrible. The interface is clunky. It looks like it crashes all the time. It doesn't work right. Um, it's not really what I think anybody really wants. Everybody wants something with the simplicity and the elegance of an iPad. And I think most people are willing to sacrifice this concept of openness to get it. Now, all this, of course, is my personal opinion. And I would like to know what your personal opinion is on the subject. Do you agree? Do you think that the iPad should be more open? If so, why? Why should it be more open? I would really like your opinion on why it should be more open. Now, you can do it via email. Send me an email with your uh, thoughts, suggestions. Agree, disagree. I really, really want to hear from you guys on this subject. You can also send a audio message to me, and I'll play it here on the show. Easiest way to do it, though, is to send either an email or an audio recording. Send it via email to podcast at maxsales.com, or you can leave a message on our Skype number, 1-801-938-5559. And you can find me in a couple different places on Twitter. You can find me at OWC Radio or MyMac. Either one of those, you're going to find me on Twitter. So openness, closed architecture, what do you think? What should it be? I think I've made my, uh, my opinion well-known now. I'm really interested in hearing yours. And if you've already sent audio feedback and you think you don't want to hog it, you know what? Send it again. Send more audio feedback. I love it. Uh, Neil in the UK, send more. I'm here. I, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to share it. And I think that this is an important subject in that a lot of people are talking about it right now. And I think a lot of people got it wrong. I really do. I think that the iPad is a, a game changer and not in the negative sense. So let's talk about a, a, the iPad for here just a minute. Um, I was talking about comic books, and I found this app when I first got the iPad called Comic Zeal. I think it's Comic Zeal 4. It has a 4 at the end. That's yeah, just Comic Zeal. It, comic Zeal is really cool. Now, you can buy comic books on here. 
but that's not really why I downloaded it. I downloaded it because you can actually load up your own comics on here. So if you download comics from the internet, and there's a lot of places that you could download comic books, uh, independent comic book writers and artists who are just trying to break into the business, they're creating their own comic books, putting them out there, and they want you to download and read these comics. Now, I've read comic books on my computer screen before, and it's really not I, – I, I didn't really enjoy it. So I have never really spent too much time downloading comics and to read on my computer. I did try it on the iPhone uh, when the – I don't know, about a year ago. And it's just too small. And I really wanted something that was portable that I could read an occasional comic book on. Now, Comic Zeal, for me, was perfect. And – to get the comic books actually on the on the uh, the app was very very simple because it syncs via iTunes. You find your comics that you want, and you literally drag them into the documents window in iTunes. Um, you have to be you have to have the the uh, iPad plugged in, and you go to that app on the bottom of the screen in, in iTunes. And it has, you know, um, a little list right there of the comics that you want to drag in or, or that you've dragged in, and it syncs it up. That's how you do it. It's very simple. It's, it's harder for me to explain than it is just to <laughs> for you to go try it. It's really simple. Plus, I'm not in front of the machine that I'm syncing my iPad to, so I can't, I can't really walk you through it step by step right now. But it's very simple to get your comic books on there, and I did it. And I put, oh, I don't know, a half dozen comic books on here just to try out, and I loved it. Um, the app works great. You can rotate it. You can kind of pinch and zoom up on panels. It works extremely well. This is the first device I've ever used that was portable that made comic book reading fun. Now, the Marvel app works even better, but you're limited to whatever Marvel happens to be selling through the app, which isn't always the newest comic books. Uh, They did give some free things away, so you could at least try it out. But I really wasn't sold on the Marvel app. This one, however, Comic Zeal, exactly what I've been looking for. It works exactly the way I wanted it to on the iPad. It was very easy to sync my comics from my computer, from my Mac and iTunes to the iPad. It's brilliant. It's, it's, I really, really enjoy it. I think it was uh, $2.99 for the app. Um, if not, it was less. It wasn't very much. Maybe four ninety nine. I believe it was four ninety nine. You know what? I'm going to look while I'm. I'm just trying to guess here. Comic uh, Zeal. Let's see. There it is. It's by Bitlothic. The website is b i t o l i t h i c dot com. So let me go in here, and it's not telling me how much it is. It says available in the App Store. It's $3.99, $3.99. You know, it just works, and that's what I like. Now, let me uh, pull up the iPad, and because uh, there's been some uh, developing things for me. iBooks, number one, I talked about iBooks the last time, and... The, what I really liked about the iBooks app was that it was easy to find the books that you're looking for in the store via iBooks. But I didn't realize at first, at least when I recorded uh, the last episode, that I could take my own eBooks, put it on 
put it in iTunes, and read them in iBooks. There's a ton of books online from authors, and they just give these books away for free. A prime example of this is a book called Droid Maker. It was uh, three PDFs that I downloaded from the author's website. Uh, very well done book. Uh, I started reading it, but again, it was on the iPad originally, or I'm sorry, on the uh, iPhone originally. It was too small. Uh, I, I'm really not into reading super long things on my computer screen. And, uh, you know, and the whole story is basically about George Lucas, the person. Uh, he, he, it's not about Star Wars. It's about George Lucas, the filmmaker. And uh, I was very interested in reading this book, but I just didn't get to it, to be honest. And it was in PDF format, so I could have printed it, but uh, how many of us actually print a PDF book? And no, we don't. So this is what I did to get these books onto my iPad. Number one, I downloaded a free program called Stanza. And, the, and now I could read, I can use Stanza on my computer to read ebooks. But really, all I wanted it for was to convert a PDF to an EPUB format, E-P-U-B, EPUB. And it's very fast. It's very easy to do. Stanza's a free program. iBooks is a free program. And the books that I'm wanting to read on my iPad are free books. You see where I'm getting at here? So you download Stanza. You install it. Once you have Stanza... Select the PDF that you want to read on your iPad via iBooks because iBooks, remember, will remember where you're at. You can, uh, you can mark things. You can tag it, whatever. You go into Stanza. You open up the PDF. In my case, the, the name of the book is called Droid Maker. I open up that PDF, and I export it as an EPUB. And let me tell you, it's, it's almost instantaneous. I mean, it just like that, and it's exported, and you have an EPUB. Take that EPUB, drag it into your iTunes window, and the next time you plug in your iPad, as long as you have sync all books, all eBooks, boom, it goes right in. It shows right up on the shelf in um, iBooks. Now, to take it a step farther, I actually did a get info on the EPUBs in my iTunes library, and I found some cool artwork, and I, I used that as the artwork in iTunes for that EPUB, and that's the picture that shows up on my bookshelf in iBooks. It's very cool. And you know what? It, it reads beautifully. It's easier to read on my iPad than it is on the computer. Obviously, I didn't have to use up a whole lot of paper to, to print this thing out. The iPhone was simply too small for me to read it. So this was a brilliant solution. And there's a lot of free EPUBs out there. Free, I should, I, EPUBs. A, a lot of free eBooks out there for you to download and read on your, I, on your iBook. And even if it's not free, if you find an author out there that's selling his PDF and you want to read that book, you can download the PDF copy of that book, convert it over to EPUB via the free Stanza app, sync it to your iPad via, yep, you know, iTunes, and you're reading it at your convenience. It's brilliant. I have to say, 
credit where credit's due, it's brilliant. I really like the fact that Apple left, oh, by the way, here's this openness thing again, left the iBook app open enough that it's not only displaying or letting you read stuff that you buy within the iBook store. You can bring your own stuff, your own EPUBs, and read your own content. So what does this mean? If you're a content producer, if you're an author, for for instance, you can publish on the on the uh, or at least display in iBooks. On you can very easily instead of just releasing a PDF, release an EPUB. Then users download it from your website, sync it to iTunes, and boom, there you go. Now I'm also wondering if, and I should have looked into this before I recorded the show. I'm wondering if you produce a for podcasts. For the podcasting directly in iTunes, you can also, instead of just an MP3, like you guys are listening to this, that downloaded in iTunes, you can also release PDFs. And the PDFs you can read right on your computer. It just downloads it through iTunes. I'm wondering if you enclosed an EPUB and downloaded an EPUB that way, as a uh, technically as a podcast, would it open it up in iBooks? If so... That's yet another distribution channel that authors can go through to get their material out there. Now, you can put in the whole, hey, if you enjoy this book, please consider donating. That's a very viable option. But there's a lot of people, a lot of people writing who aren't writing to, to make a dollar. They're doing it because of, you know, they just love to write. They want to produce their own content. And they're not really worried about making a, a buck off of it. Or they're simply trying to build a name, and the best way to do that is just to produce your content. Well, I think this is a brilliant way to distribute your content. Create the EPUB, which will sync with iTunes, and people can read it on their iPad. It's brilliant. I love it. And look, I've used the name brilliant a, a few times today, but that's just it. it. I can't get over how brilliant these solutions really are that I'm reading comic books on this machine. Comic Zeal is letting me do that, my own comics, and it works great. I can read my own ebooks, not the ones I wrote, but ebooks that I didn't download from Apple, that I downloaded off the internet as a PDF, converted it to an EPUB, synced it to my device. And I can read it wherever I want. So, Mr. Doctor, don't talk to me about openness. That this is a closed device and it's horrible and blah, blah, blah. Because you're wrong. You really, really are wrong. And if you don't see that, then you're so steeped in your own opinion that it's really not even worth arguing with someone like that. But if you have a different opinion that you're listening to the show right now, I'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, one more time, let me give you the contact information. It's podcast at maxsales.com or 1-801-938-5559. So next week is going to be uh, pretty exciting. We're going to have some more OWC TV videos up. And, yep, we're going to be looking at some of the iPad accessories that Max Sales is selling. 
I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on them. Also next week for OWC Radio, I'm going to do an interview with David Biedney. If you don't know who that is, Google it. You'll find out David Biedney is one of the Photoshop guys of the world. Really is. Uh, in the la- at the last Macworld Expo for the 20th anniversary of Photoshop, he actually did a demo of Photoshop 1.0 on stage. I didn't get to see it, but I heard it was brilliant. I talked to him both before and after he did the demonstration, and I really wish I could have seen that. It, it sounded great. But he's going to be here on OWC Radio next week. We're going to talk about the history of Photoshop, but we're also going to talk about the new Photoshop CS5. Yep, he's had it for a while. He's still under embargo. He's still under NDA from Adobe, but that lifts next week so he can come on the show and actually talk to us about the new version of Photoshop. Now, I don't know if you saw the video that's circulating on the interwebs, but there's something with the new Photoshop that, I got to say, it looks like magic. Really. It's, it's, <laughs> it's called Content Aware Fill. And I, you know what? I, I'm not talented enough to explain to you guys how cool this is. Do a search on Google. Do a video search on Google. So, you know, if you type it in Google, hit search, and then one of the things at the top, it says video, click that, and you get the video reser- uh, results. And it's called Content Aware Fill Sneak Peek. You have to watch this video, especially if you're a Photoshop user. You're going to see this and go, it's impossible. There's no way you can do that. That's magic. It's magic. I don't know how Adobe did it. I wasn't really looking forward to CS5, and I really did think that it was way too soon. CS4 wasn't that long ago. Uh, I I thought... Every 18 months is way too ambitious for such an expensive suite of applications that Adobe's not doing their their users or themselves any favors by releasing major applications this closely together. But after watching just this one demo, I have to say, yep, I want it. I really do. It's I can't describe. You just have to. I'm serious. Go to Google and look for content aware. Phil. It's a video. It's uh, five minutes and seven seconds. It it really is magic. I. It's the only way I can describe it. It's 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 magic. And while you're in front of your computer or your iPad, or I guess your iPhone as well, make sure you go to www.maxsales.com. That's who produces this podcast you're listening to right now. If uh, you don't go there, you're going to break my heart because we've got some really great things going on at OWC. If you're into the environment, go up to maxsales.com. Look on the right-hand side and scroll down a little bit. You're going to see a headline that says OWC Energy Independence. And there's a link that says read more about OWC's wind turbine and learn more about OWC's green headquarters. It's really fascinating. You really do need to check this out. They have some video up online about the wind turbine and uh, more information. It's it's really, really cool. 100% on-site wind-powered is what OWC's headquarters is. It's amazing. you got to check it out. They even have pictures of putting this huge wind turbine 
uh, up. And I knew this was big, but I, ha- I had no idea how big this was until I actually went to OWC for the very first time last October. It's so impressive. You got to check it out. If you're into um, the environment, if you're into uh, the green technologies out there, and let's be honest, we all should be at this point, you really do need to check this out. I think you'll, you'll find it very interesting. And hey, if you've got an iPad while you're up there, Check out the accessories right at the top of the page at maxsales.com. We've got some great things, some great cases, and we're going to have more things coming in the near future. That's the one thing about OWC. If there's new technology out there, we're going to support it one way or another. And let's be honest, right now, the iPad is the hottest thing in the tech industry. We're all into it right now. And there's some just great stuff at www.maxsales.com. Check out the iFolio. I think you'll really dig that. It's really cool. And I talked last time about the new view privacy protector. I'm going to get a video of that next week uh, online, and uh, you guys can check that out yourselves. So for OWC22, I think that's about it this week. I really want to hear you guys' feedback. You know, I harp on that a lot. Uh, I do get some feedback, but the more the merrier. I'd love to hear from you in particular. Uh, one of the things I've talked about in the past is opening up the show and bringing some of the listeners on and having a chat. If you are interested in doing that, send me an email, podcast at maxsales.com. I'd really, really love to have you on the show. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the show, and I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye.